This is the Acts 2028 podcast, where two young Church of God pastors discuss the challenges and victories we face in leading revitalization. I am TJ Samuel. I am Brian Seidel. I am in an urban context in Seattle, Washington. I am in a suburban and rural context in Boise, Idaho. I am in a liberal state. I am in a conservative state. My ministry background is in missions. My ministry background is in youth ministry. And yet we are both in our first lead roles. Help God revitalize the existing church in the Pacific Northwest. We are helping each other. And you. To truly live out Acts 20, 28. Well, TJ, here we are again, uh, back for another episode. I don't know about you. I know we've had to reschedule this a couple times because I think both of our lives are kind of crazy right now, which I think probably everybody can identify. Uh, just normal life and families and schedules. Sometimes it's hard to, to get everything in, but here we are again for our next episode. Yeah, it's good to be back together, get things down. And um, man, it seems like in those moments, when you're super busy, uh, having a moment of clarity, as well as just, uh, uh, what did they say, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. So hopefully this will help some of those spinning wheels uh, stabilize a bit. So yes, exactly. Kind of as we're, we get to cross off one more thing off our to-do list, I guess, right now as we finally get together. But, um, but yeah, as we, you know, that's kind of the reality though, I think, as we think, you know, look at leading a church, um, you know, especially an existing church where you have already some things rolling and programs, traditions, uh, events, those kinds of things. Uh, again, how do you balance all of that, right, with your leadership and with your family? I know that's kind of part of the issue right now uh, with me and my crazy schedule is that I have three of my kids in different sports, right, all at the same time, and only one of them drives. So my middle son will get his license literally a week after golf ends for school. So you know, just just in the nick of time, right? Yeah, not really. But uh, so certainly, you know, his tournaments through the summer will be easier because he can drive himself. But uh, but yeah, it's it's definitely crazy. And I think in that, but at, at the reality is we have to fit into our lives, uh, what, what we're called to, right. And keep those, again, those boundaries and priorities in the right place. And again, we've talked, we've alluded to it, talked about it some about our families, the importance of that, um, in previous episodes, but today, actually what we have planned to talk about, uh, is just the, um, the idea of, of inward focus or outward focus, um, or, you know, what, what these different things can be. And so as we, uh, look at that, so we're talking specifically about the church. And I think when we get, especially into an established church, that's one of the things that we need to do that we have talked about in previous episodes in some ways, but is taking, um, uh, a triage effect, right. Of just kind of observing where we're at, Right, so that we can go somewhere new or see what what God wants to do with the church moving forward, and so a, a major step of that is figuring out kind of where we are, right? And um, again, as we look at Scripture and the description of the church, whether you know when the church was born in Acts and and moving forward, and kind of all of the New Testament letters, and and even in, again how, even how we serve Jesus in our own life and faith is 
there's kind of two two things to look at. There is an inward focus as far as which again we kind of brand within the church a little bit as a as our discipleship of how do we grow those we already have, right? And and can help them to grow in their faith. How do we keep them um, happy? Is probably not the right term, but but again, you know, how how do we keep them engaged and moving forward? But then there's also the other outward focus, which is again, we've the the kind of churchy branded word for that is evangelism, right? And saying how do we find uh, the focus? Is the focus on that? Is it not? Um, what's well, how do we find a balance? But again, I think it starts in that is saying how good is your current environment, right? At each of those. Right. Well, and this isn't like groundbreaking. It's just like a perspective moment where we learn these things, right? I mean, I think really what is our sole purpose, right? If we strip this back away and we're looking at why do we do what we do, it's because God has called us to do that. And I think, you know, if we're looking for a biblical part, I'd interject this piece right here of look no further than Matthew 28, 16 through 20. And we're seeing the Great Commission, right? These are our marching orders as to go out and share the gospel. In fact, in verse 19, it says, therefore, go and make disciples of some, no, all nations and baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then verse 20, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so in 20, there's some things there. Um, we have to know God's word, right? And that's kind of why we have the roles we have, as well as our passion to impart that in our congregations, in our families, as you just talked about. But we have to know God's word so we can impart that in others. And then we get the reassurance in verse 20 as well, that um, surely I'll be with you till the very end of the age. And so when I look at the Great Commission, you know, we've talked about, again, you having youth and having a background in helping them see eternity from an early age, sowing and doing those things. And that mirrors with um, my background of missional work and going and doing missions and going to all nations and oftentimes seeing the fact that, uh, you know, being able to help and encourage and again, remember, we're both a part of a movement that is called the Church of God, where statistically, three quarters of our, um, we don't have like formal membership, but we'll say members for lack of a better term, because I'm affiliated I'm churches or people right. or, or, or yeah, attendants, <laughs> maybe like, you know, the, the people that show up, parishioners, uh, whatever. But those people, three fourths of them are outside of the United States in North America. Therefore, we are a very forward thinking outside of our own. Again, we're talking about in premise here of inside or outside. If we were strictly about our own congregational or again, our own United States point of view of, you know, remembering that this thing was written in Hebrew and Greek and some of these things travel outside of the United States. But if we look at that, um, knowing that we are, trying to meet the least of these, not only in our local communities, but those across the world. And so when I read those verses, when I look at that stuff, I don't see it as just like a game plan or a good idea. As you say that, I see that as, man, this is our game plan. This is what we're supposed to be doing. So how are we living that out? So um, yeah, yeah that, that would be my starting point for the conversation. 
No, exactly. I think that's a great perspective. And I think it's a great starting point. Like you said, as we look at the great commission, it is the job description from Jesus's mouth for the church. Right now, one of the things that like, again, as you said, it's going to all nations and sharing around the world. And I completely agree with that. I, I will want to point out though, as, as we talk about inward focus, our focus, discipleship, evangelism, uh, you know, is there a balance? Can we find a balance? Uh, again, just in my observation and experience, most churches are usually naturally good at one of them, right? They're naturally good at discipleship or they're naturally good at evangelism. And, and again, we can, we can unpack that a little bit, but before we do that, I want to go back to that scripture though, because the great commission, I think most people tend to uh, interpret the great commission as evangelistic and it absolutely is. Again, obviously, right? Going to all nations, going to all, you know, um, sharing the gospel, baptizing them, all that. That is a very evangelistic, I mean, mission. Absolutely. But I will actually push back a little bit on that to say, I believe that the Great Commission is not only evangelistic, it is also encouraging us to do discipleship. Because if you look at the Great Commission, Jesus describes four different demographics of people in the Great Commission. Right. There are nations. Right. Which is, again, is the world. Right. And, and we can, I think, likely um, define nations as unbelievers. Right. Again, it's the world. Right. The, then we have if we're successful in that. Right. Our mission of that is to go to the world, to unbelievers and to sh share the gospel with them, show them who Jesus is. And then if we're successful, they will then become new disciples. Right, which is the second demographic that Jesus described of people in the Great Commission, right? Then, um, and then those new disciples, we have to teach them, right? We have to invest in them, show them the things of God, teach them the Bible, teach them what how we quote unquote do church, right? And enter into deep relationships and all those kinds of everything that comes with following Jesus. And so then they hopefully again, if we're successful as a church, they will mature in their faith, and then they will move from being a new disciple to a disciple, which is the third demographic of people that Jesus describes in the Great Commission. So we go, we move from nations to new disciples to disciples, and then, it, it, again, the natural flow of our faith, if we are growing in our faith, if we are moving closer to Christ every day, right, and, uh, you know, getting through uh, our hang-ups and our habitual sins and and our attitude and kind of all those things, right? If we're being transformed by God's spirit, then ideally we are going to continue to mature in our faith. And just as scripture says, get off of the milk and be, and be, you know, digesting the meat of who God is and of his word. And then we will, every believer should get to the point where they are at this teaching level in their faith, that they have something to show those that don't know God, right? Whether it's through their life, through that, and, and, and so that's the fourth demographic that Jesus describes in the Great Commission is teachers. And so we see these four demographics, disciples or nations, new disciples, disciples, and teachers. And, and again, our vision at Oregon Trail is join the journey. And so I use those demographics in that to show people Jesus is telling us we are on a journey in our faith. Right? And we need to continue to move that. Now, as a teacher level person, not, not, not meaning that you're necessarily a formally a Sunday school teacher or a pastor, right. Or whatever, but just, you have something, you know, something about God that somebody else doesn't know it means that you're at that place, right. You can teach where, well, ideally, where are you going to invest that knowledge to? Well, 
if we go back to the Great Commission, this is a, a, a self-fulfilling prophecy in some ways, right? And that's the design of God. That, well, that's to the nations, right? To those who don't know about God. And so, again, I think likely a lot of believers see the Great Commission as evangelistic only, and it is absolutely not. It is both evangelistic and about discipling people and discipleship, right? And people growing in their faith. And again, the, the journey starts at salvation in our growing. It does not end there. That is not our only mission. Well, and I think what you said is there's even some difference in that. Like, I think we've seen a parallel over the last uh, decade plus of when we think of missions, we think of like more of a colonial approach of like, send some people, they go, they engage with a local community, they try to uh, persuade them, earn and garner their trust to share this opportunity of the gospel with them. And I think what you're talking about, although you're describing it in a local context of discipleship, I think that that has switched to also take root in the mission standpoint. Oftentimes, as we have Brian and TJ right here talking on a podcast, there are the equivalents of a Brian and TJ in any given country where God has placed them in a place of power and a passion in their heart. And oftentimes, the only difference is, like you said, is they may not have the formal training that we have as the teacher element that you just described. And so part of our goal in that is like you said of coming and making disciples so i'll use those words to equip any power empower them to be able to do the work that is of god and so i think having that same discipleship piece to where you are teaching them because again what we found in that part is it doesn't matter how long i serve in a place oftentimes i'm going to still be considered an outsider, where someone that speaks that tongue, that understands those culture, that has the proof of being there, sometimes just lends a different in than us sending somebody. And oftentimes in the mission field, you send somebody, and by the time they're just making some of those strides, it is time for them to come back off the field. And so, again, how do we, that word stewardship, make the best impact. And I think that same sediment that you just described as far as discipleship is a new um, mindset over the last bit of time that has been applied to the mission field as well. Like, how do we make disciples? How do we do this? Um, Because how do we, you know, the answer isn't to just send somebody. And I think when you kind of look at it in that term, sometimes what happens, whether that is you're talking developing or impoverished nations, is you're creating a dependency right when we're doing this is another thing of being outside or inside whether we're doing outreach in the local uh, street corner or otherwise are we discipleship are we teaching them how to fish or are we giving them a fish because sure. in that moment creates a, a a different interaction of how do we uh, prepare them in a way so that they can assimilation is a funny church word there that we can use that's like okay, now you can do what you've been taught yourself. And, and so how do we create a place where it's not dependent on them? Um, 
that those people um, that are part of God's family as well, that we can train them up, that they can continue to do that. And it's not something that they are just reliant upon, in our context, us sending money to help them, that we prop them up and empower them and equip them to where they can do that. And so sometimes that's training. Um, sometimes that is giving them a vehicle. You were just quoting Paul in this milk to meat moment, but like maybe it's bivocational. And we've been a part of mission groups to where we've started these micro loans where people get to do another thing like Paul and do tent maker mode to subsidize so that they can then reach and do other ministry um, because they have this uh, funding mechanism that isn't reliant upon those things because you're preaching new things to some of these congregations as you're making new disciples that they don't even understand of what that outside part looks like. Like I earn money for my family and I barely make enough to make that work. So how do you want me to do this? And so now you've got these other uh, areas that we now have to kind of address outside of that. But I like that part going back to that original statement is that some of those things, even applying those here stateside are some of the same things we're applying both overseas wise of discipleship. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think, like you said, when we look at and put it in the, the missions context, right, which again, we use the, the Great Commission a lot, you know, in the missions context, but but yet, um, again, plays into then our role as even the American church, right, of what is our attitude of, like you said, sending missionaries, sending short-term teams, how do we do it, you know, instead of, and that's a way bigger conversation, I think one that likely is probably for a different day, but, right. you know, one that we could definitely come back to say about what is the role of missions, uh, not just around the world and, and on the large scale, like global strategy within Church of God, or again, if you're not within Church of God, uh, of whatever your denomination or organization does, right, or how, what their strategy is. And again, that's, that's very important. But yet, as we start here thinking about how do we evaluate our church, right? And to think, what are we doing? How good are we at evangelism, not just around the world, but even in our own communities, right? As well as how good are we at discipleship? And, and again, how are we growing the people we already have? And are they growing in their faith? Are they learning the things of God? Are, is their faith being put into action? Right. And, um, and how are they investing in somebody else, right? Which puts us right back into evangelism. And now, obviously, we can talk about our different roles and things that, that and, and a lot of times in established churches, you already have some foreign missionaries that you support or, you know, mission trips that happen or, or those kinds of things. In fact, literally right today, right after we get done recording this, you are talking with my youth director, right? Because, again, the youth from my church are going to your church on a short-term mission trip this summer right and to help in some different things and again that's uh, that's part of our strategy of how we kind of connect those two but i think as we think about again the health of a church um, and taking a church that especially if you're in a revitalization project or situation they said whether you're the lead pastor or just a board member at your church or even just a, a volunteer leader in or some role at your church we have to be asking the question is you know, one, what is our, what does our church naturally lean to, right? Is it discipleship? Are we tend to be inward focused, right? About, you know, growing our own people, or do we naturally lean towards evangelism? 
Are we good at reaching into our community, inviting people, you know, getting people to come to our services or sharing Christ with them through personal conversations or through, you know, community outreach, whatever that might look like. Are we good at getting people in the, in the family of God through, you know, sharing the gospel with them, which we typically call evangelism, or are we better right at, um, ministering the people we have, right? And again, close knit, you know, whatever meeting needs and lots of different ways. I mean, there's, like you said, in my observation right, is that most churches lean to one of those naturally and the other one they have to do purposefully. What do you well, think about that, TJ, in your observation? Yeah. So I would say this, when I think of community, let's take that a step further, because I think maybe I'll, I'll, further go down that rabbit trail to define community in my desire. So we meet on Sundays and, and, you know, maybe your church meets on, on a midweek service of a Wednesday or something as well, if you're listening to this, but my purpose of community isn't just that we invite people to be a part of our service community in that discipleship thing is probably even more weighted on what you're doing the other six days of the week and how you're bearing testimony. And so when I'm talking to our people, and as we're having discipleship and those things happening, realizing that our whole goal isn't to just get people here on a Sunday and feel good about that we're reaching our community. Our opportunity on the other six days out of the week is so much more vital. And oftentimes, because it doesn't always use chapter and verse, but it is real and tangible to them, yeah. might have more staying power. And that's where, when you were talking about, say, lay people, I don't want them to miss the fact that oftentimes they might have a better opportunity to speak into someone's life than we do as pastors. Because when we say that, oftentimes it can come with a connotation that we are supposed to do that or say that, or it comes with an angle because we are a pastor and that's yeah. what we're supposed to do. Sometimes. Yeah. yeah just, in fact, my, my only pushback on that TJ is not, it's not sometimes it's always <laughs> when once they know that I'm a pastor, that the tone changes. Right. And you lose that part, that uh, uh, pureness of like, before people knew that it was like, okay, how we do this. And oftentimes they have that. So there, that, that would be one thing that I would say about defining community is the impact that we have outside of our established meeting times, outside of Sunday or otherwise, if you have those. And second part that I would say um, that I'd be cautious about when you're talking discipleship within the local church, if that is the identifying marker that you've now defined for a church, is we have to be cognizant of something that I call, for a lack of a better term, the country club approach. We cannot be, whether that's an elitist group or, or what other, whatever, we can't be that inside focus because if we do or we do things for our own and they don't exist for anyone else, we will die with that country club, with the youngest member that is there. And so these are things, and that's not to point fingers at, you know, obviously either one of our churches. These are just things we see throughout the course of why our church is dying and why are they holding on? Um, there's studies that show if they find themselves in that quadrant, that they are basically looking for a chaplain to come in, write it out, give them a nice burial, and let them just end out their time. Yeah. I don't think any of us desire that. And I think when you say that, that's not what you're saying, because you're in discipleship asking for growth. That is what I would classify, what I just defined as a stagnant piece. 
that doesn't yes. have that. So by definition, I would say that would be one of the, when you're asking that question, those would be some of the indicators or some of the things as we were taking a, a temperature check that I'd be mindful of that we don't want to fall in line with, or if we start to see some warning lights on the instrument panel of some of those things going off, then that's when we have to reassess, right? No, absolutely. And I think to that point is I think, which again is go back to the great commission of saying we have to know that it's both, right? Because either one, if it's only focused on one or the other is going to end up at an unhealthy place. And just like you said, if we focus too much on the discipleship leaning side, then that is where we end up. We end up with country club Christians and stagnant faith. And, and ultimately we just end up at a church full of disciples and teachers and no one to teach. Right. And, and, and like you said, that, then that's what it becomes. And then, and that's part of why again, a church might be dying. Now, the other extreme is also true. And I think when we talk about, you know, the, if, if you only focus on evangelism, right, it is one is that, I mean, you might be able to grow a church in that way. Right. And again, some of those metrics is, you know, when we get sucked into the Sunday numbers, right. Or you're, you know, the, just part, you know, that, that literally just participation is, is the win. I mean, if we get people to church on Sunday, even if you look at, you know, another way that I know churches kind of track their evangelism efforts is, you know, how many baptisms do they have of new believers? Right. And now again, if you focus on that and those are important things, but like, if you do that, then you're going to end up right with a church that's a mile wide but if you don't have any discipleship, then it's going to be an inch deep. And, and that creates all kinds of different problems within a church that are not healthy. Right. right? One, right, is that where do you find top tier leadership for your church, whether it be elders, deacons, board members, again, however you're structured, because scripture is very clear, right, that to not put a new believer into those positions. And so if you don't have any discipleship, you know, happening in your church, it's all evangelism. And, 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 and you don't have anybody, you know, they, you get them saved, you get them baptized, right. And then, and, and there's just all these mountaintop experiences and baby Christians, then you don't have anybody to put into these solidly put into these positions of the infrastructure that's described in scripture for us to build these churches on. And, and a lot of times in churches like that, that's when you see um, in really naturally evangelistic churches, even if they're huge, Right. Is that again, they are, they might be big churches, but their back door is just as open as their front door. Yeah. Right? Be, be, because people are going to be coming in like, and they're saving people like crazy. Right. But then they're only going to stay until they realize there's nothing else for them to do there. Right. There, there's just, they're, they're like, I've grown as far as this is ever going to take me, which means they are either going to fizzle out. Right. And that's, again, when you think about that parable of Jesus of the, you know, the four soils. And again, that's when they grow up and the weeds choke out their life. Right. And the plants are dying. Right. Or they move on to another church who's good at discipleship. Right. Because they require at that point that meat that you're talking about, and they can't just be sustained on milk anymore. Right. And yeah. so you have this door, you have those things and you have like a high Sunday attendance, but no meat. So there's a lot of that that's happening. And I, I use that same analogy of the back door is as big as the front, right? Because you might find yourself in a sense of, man, if we really pooled how many people we have had come through these doors, as opposed to retention, um, 
then we're losing people. We self uh, balance out based on the structure and stuff that we can either a maintain or B we can train up. And, yeah. and there's two things. There's a pause there. Like we just described it is a negative part of if we can't move them further along and there's going to be churches that fit these needs in various ways. There are going to be some, like you said, that are more meat based, but they're not real programmatic based or however you want to quantify that. But like, there's going to be some that you really have an opportunity to just reach and love on people in a new way that maybe you wouldn't have before. And so I think I like the fact that, you know, we have these churches that we can love on people that we can um, not only have this peace, but it's not just about the bells and whistles, but we have to be able to move them along uh, in, a, in a manageable way. So I think yeah. you're right. I, I really like the fact that there's this part where uh, Sundays aren't just about numbers. And another way to say where that's healthy, because we talked about the negative, is if your church is staying low in numbers because discipleship is happening, and you guys are forward thinking that, hey, look, we are going to only have this many people. And when we reach this point, we want to plan a church. And that's why your numbers are going down or why you're not growing because that discipleship is taking place and you are moving that. And whether that is in this time, we've learned more about small churches and their effectiveness, right? Like large, small groups, small church acts, those things, however you want to look at that. That is a healthy way of why your yeah. church isn't growing. That's intentional is another word that we've been talking about throughout these. That is an, on purpose. That isn't because of retention or otherwise. That is because we are a teaching place and that, and we are sending others out to fulfill that. And so that could be another byproduct. We looked at the negative, but that could be a positive effect. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And again, I think that's the point. As we look at this, there's no one right answer, right? You know, as long as we are living out again, the great commission, right. And that we are doing both in some way. Again, if, if that is the way that we're expanding God's kingdom evangelistically is because we are good at training up leaders and then we send them or launch them instead of keep them in within our own system. Wonderful. Right. Like, again, there's, I mean, again, we're all on the same team, right? It's God's church. It's about building his kingdom, not ours. And so, and again, I think that's one of the other things we have to look at, right. Is saying which, which kingdom are we building again? Are, is our goal just to make our churches huge? Like, cause if, if that is, you know, then, then we are building our kingdom. You know, that's not about, you know, God's kingdom. Like I said, some, some launch, launch out churches or campuses or, you know, whatever it would be. So, some, some go to, you know, eight services at their one place and, you know, whatever. I mean, again, there's no, we're not pushing any one strategy there, but I think again, go back the concept being is look at the front door of your church, look at the back door of your church, and that will really help you establish maybe where where your church is at right now right again is the is the front door open is the back door closed right yeah. and and again if it's opposite right if the front door is closed and the back door is open then that's not a healthy place to be if now like you said if and maybe the back door is closed but you're launching people you know out the side door right when they're ready to plant a church or whatever and again i think that is a healthy place but but just think about that's the probably the first part of evaluation is to see, you know, is the front door open, right? And is the back door closed? And and which one which one do we need to focus on? Now, I will say that as I look back at my years at Oregon Trail and even in our different kind of phases of 
of of growing healthy is that there are sometimes right and different seasons again just as scripture says right there's a season for every activity under heaven and i think there was a time and i realized one of the things that that we needed to focus on when i got to oregon trail was not really about you know keeping uh, opening the front door right away i felt like we needed to work on the health of the people we had and work on not just closing our back door, but, but moving the people that were here forward in their faith to where we were ready for new believers to come. Because the reality is where the church was at when I got here at Oregon trail, that was one of the things that I saw was, um, was that the people that were here again, I mean, they loved God, right. But, and, but they needed, vision and direction on where to go on first and foremost, how to grow their own faith so that they could start moving down the journey, right. From a new disciple to a disciple, to a teacher. So that when, when we focused, we're able to focus on opening the front door, inviting more people to come to church on reaching out in different ways that we were ready for new newcomers. Cause the reality is we weren't. And so again, if I would have just focused on, you know, I mean, attracting new people, opening, getting the front door more wide open, that was not the first step in Oregon Trail because, because it would have fallen flat. I mean, they would have come in, they would have found Jesus, but then there was just, there was no infrastructure. There was nothing to move them forward with. And even though, so we needed to get, again, focus, I mean, be more inward focus in that first season, right. Of, of kind of establishing some health and some growth among our, our existing people so that we were ready for that evangelistic effort. Right. One of the things that I would say maybe would be, do you have, to pose a question to you, do you have a metric or do you have, use the word evaluation? Do you have a tool uh, other than that you make it a point with those that you know to check in with those that are leaving the back door that you're aware of, do you or your staff have an ability to follow up with them to say, could you let us know why you left? And it, it's a humbling thing to put yourself in that position, right? To ask, because sometimes they're there. And I think as leaders, right? Like specifically, I'm talking now to pastors, there are going to be a ton of things. You know, we talked about coming to an established church. There is going to be some people that leave because they just associated with the previous senior pastor better. Sure. There's not much we can do about that. There's going to be some that have, uh, they didn't like that we didn't do enough hymns or that we did too many hymns, or we have some of those things. So there are going to be some of those that you can look at that are going to be things that you're going to look at and say is an evaluation and say, okay, but do you have in your ministry a, a form or a format that you collect that data? And again, it's tough to do that with everybody because people move and there's some things that are just life happens, Yeah. but you go forward or how do you try to procure uh, those, uh, those moments with those things? How do you use that as a tool to understand, again, as a metric to say, what is our health and what is the contributing factor? Yeah. So I'll tell you, we don't have like a set um, form or process that we go through. And when somebody quote unquote leaves the church that I will say though, I think the mo the most important metric or just balance of that is just make sure that you do have an idea, 
right? I mean, have the conversation. And I think, again, that's one of the advantages of kind of being in a smaller church. And again, if we're in those revitalization projects, you know, it's typically they're going to be smaller churches so that, I mean, again, you, you notice when somebody's not there. Yeah. Right. And so, um, I'd say just first and foremost is just make the phone call, right? Send the email. I mean, reach out, right? And at least ask, you know, be like, hey, what's going on? Like, you know, because I care about you, you know? And and again, I think some of that is kind of setting and it's hard to do um, as a leader, as a pastor in whatever role you're in, because again, we, we're in, we value our churches, right? And again, we pour ourselves into it. And so, like you said, it's a vulnerable place to be, to reach out to that. And again, to go like, hey, you know, we just know you haven't here, or I heard that, you know, that your Oregon Trail is not your church anymore. Like, just what's going on? You know, like what happened? Like, what? Just, just let me know. You know, and like you said, that that's a hard conversation. I mean, that's a tough call to make, and it's a very humbling one usually, especially as a leader. But I would say that's just, I mean, literally that beyond that is just to, I mean, make the effort to find out. Yeah. Now, now I, I mean, you know, a lot of times you might already know, and. And in that, sometimes it's like, what again, what they tell me is different than what they tell everybody else. And so usually, you know, the the truth is somewhere in between. I mean, I think, you know, we've all played the telephone game before. We know how that works. And, the, you know, it, it's all like, so some of it is just kind of even to figure out what's really going on. Sometimes it's, it's not you at all. Sometimes it's where they're at. Um, you know, like I said, we've had through different seasons at Oregon Trail, there's been times where we've had, again, our back door has been wide open and there's been people that have left for viable reasons and some that for, for not good ones. Um, and, but, but I will say like, uh, that was kind of just the basis was we tried to always at least reach out. Right. And uh, to find out if we didn't already know why, you know, some of them, we already knew why, because they didn't leave quietly. Sure. You know, or whatever. Um, and it could be a fit, right? Like it can be something as simple as right now we have this season of life. And, and, you know, sometimes we're talking small churches. They might not have a thriving youth program or children's program or yeah. something that fits that need for that family. Or it could be the other end of they have a joy group where they've built community that's older people. I mean, you, you can find yourself on those outliers of the spectrum um, in many different ways, but I think you're, you're right in the sense of an assessment of that and saying, knowing that, and I think the lines during this COVID pandemic time have even been blurred because like you said, there's gotta be communication in this because there might be somebody in our congregation that's still a part of it and they might be in a new hybrid. We talked about, you laid it out nice in the nation disciples, uh, new disciples, disciples, and teachers. There might be a spot where there's a new faith-based community that we have that has now joined us in an online platform, and that is their relationship. And so they might not see them physically, which was a measurement or a tool or a metric that we use to say that, but we don't see them, but they might be participating online and some of that might be intentional that they want to keep us at arm's length. And so there is this gray area with this, that how do we make sure that they are doing okay, that there is the spiritual development that we've talked about. Um, I don't have the answer to that just as, as yeah. a precursor, but you know, we've done that um, with people that we're aware of. We've sent uh, cards out, you know, that I've signed personally just to say, Hey, we're thinking of you. We haven't heard from you in a while just to make sure. And yeah, 
it, it runs a gamut, right? Like sometimes it's, oh yeah, we we're watching, we're there with you. We appreciate this part. And you wouldn't know unless you had that communication. Yeah. And so I think, you know, it, it's a, it's a tougher, <laughs> tougher target sometimes to even hit during this time, but I think you're right. Yeah. Now, now again, what, now the next question is what do you do with the feedback right is and again i think that's where you have to go back to again what is the real vision and mission of the church what what are we here to accomplish they said i and we've had you know because the reality right is like maybe somebody's not coming because of something very simple right like again i'll just tell you one of the drawbacks like literally of our building is that um, our sanctuary so our building is a two-story building but it's like kind of like sunk in the ground. So it's like, it's like a split level kind of building. And so there is literally to get into our sanctuary, there is, you have to go up a ramp. Right. And, and again, I mean, you can drive your car up there and some, and some people do, but if you just park in the regular parking lot, you have to either walk up the stairs or up or walk up the ramp in order to get into our church. And there were literally some where, where we had call people and we're like, Hey, what's like, what's, what's going on? We haven't seen you for a while. Just checking in. And they're like, and literally we hear like, well, I can't come anymore. I was like, okay, well, why? Like, what's going on? They're like, I can't walk up the ramp, you know, or I, I just can't. And, and we're like, oh, well, Hey, we can help you with that. Right. Like we want you to like, we care about you. We're here to, you know, we want you to be in church. So one, either just drive up to the ramp and one of our ushers will go park your car for you. Right. And we'll go get it for you and drive it to the top of the ramp. Right. Or, or, and again, our, like just the design of our building is our, um, our, um, handicapped accessible parking is around the side. Right. And it was designed that way. So they could park there. They go down a ramp into the lower level and then ride the elevator up to the sanctuary. And they, some people didn't even know that that existed. Right. And so now again, they, that could be fixed with a sign in the parking lot. Right. But until you get that feedback, then you don't know that. Right. And again, yeah, $20 sign to fix that. Like, absolutely, right? We'll do that yet tomorrow, right? Or, you know, or whatever, right? The, now, it also might be, again, one of those other conversations I had, right, was, well, we, um, again, with the family that left and like, well, we could, we can tell that this church is growing and it's going to get bigger than we want it to be. And so we're going to leave now. That was literally one of the answers I got too. And now, with that said, I'm like, when I hear that to me, that, that that's actually encouraging, right? Because I hear that I'm like, okay, then we are setting out an example and, and a culture of people that are growing in their faith that are reaching out again, they're doing evangelism themselves, right? Our church is growing, reaching new people, but we are growing and, and they, they see the writing on the wall that this church is going to grow. And you know what, we want to be in a church of 40 people. And so we're going to go down the one down the road. That's 40 people. Yeah. And in that moment, I'm like, you know what? Wonderful. Like, you know, blessings on you. I hope you, you continue to grow in your faith, invest in there. Like, thanks for telling me the truth. Right. Yeah. And, and, and again, in that moment though, that's when you just kind of like, you know what? Like if that's where you're at, then yeah, you're not going to be comfortable here because, because our goal is to reach new people and to move them forward. Right. We want to do both evangelism and discipleship well. And so, but again, you get that information, then you need to use it right now. And again, it, it might be something else, right? Where something about your leadership that they didn't like, or something, again, I, we had one family that left um, our church because, 
because they wanted, um, you know, they didn't like the way that I was leading something or, you know, whatever. And again, they were just like, well, you didn't handle this right. I'm like, you're right. I didn't. And so, you know, again, I'm like, I, I see where you're coming from. I agree with you. I could have done it better, you know, again, apologize, whatever. But like, they're just like, yeah, but you know, we're going to need to move on. And I'm like, Hey, that's your choice. Right. Like, but, but again, thank you for helping me realize right where I need to grow. Um, and now again, that's, that's a hard conversation and it's very humbling, you know, to, to take that. Um, but, but the reality is right. Is like, we are, I mean, whether we're pastors or not, I mean, we are humans, we're going to mess up, you know? And so, you know, that is, that's hard. I mean, it's hard to hear that. Uh, but at the same time, it, it also will help you to be a better pastor or a better leader. Um, you know, in those things, if you, but that's exactly why we're scared to have those conversations. Right. Right. But that's why you and I, that's part of the reason we're having the conversation is because of those things. And if I could kind of, you know, as we're drawing to an end here today, it's like, if I could say one thing to that point that you just kind of touched on is don't let those obstacles be a deterrent, let them be an opportunity for ministry. And so like, if you get those things, like you said, how you process those, how you look at those, allow those to be a springboard for you to get better. You know, as an athlete, we both share that commonality, whether that's now we're moving on past that part, but living in our kids, they have that. One of the greatest things for them is to learn, to get better and to improve so that each day, just like in their spiritual walk and development, they're better than they were the day before. And so how do we take that and how do we take those weaknesses and a either make them disappear to where they're not exploited on the sports field, or we have different armor of God that Satan can't whisper those lies. And when we're ready to receive those things, that they're not just one more divisive thing that he's whispering in our ear to try to separate us. We have to take back as Jim Lyon would say, what hell is stolen. (laughs) And that's kind of one of those things is, in this time of a pandemic, these lies, the separation, the isolation has allowed Satan to have free reign in some of those areas of people's lives. And so this podcast, this opportunity, like you said, isn't just for you and I, hopefully it's an encouragement for those that are paying attention and listening, that they're not alone, that there's others that are walking through this and that in the midst of this, God has an overarching plan and he wins by the way. Yes, absolutely. Amen. He does win. So keep pressing on. Acts 20:28. So guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. The Acts 20:28 podcast is a broadcast production of In His Grip Publishing. Our theme music is Achievement by Giovanni Bruno. We'd love to hear from you on our social media accounts or through email. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at Acts2028Podcast. Or send us an email at Acts2028Podcast at gmail.com. Please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Leave us ratings and reviews. And even give us your email so you can be notified of new episodes. Thank you for listening. And until next time, we hope that you will lead wherever God has put you. And together we can all live out Acts 20.28 as we serve in the established church.